Hello, my name is Jin Sik James Huang. I am the Research Analysis at the Nature Association of Canada. The recent summit between North and South Korea marks as the third inter-Korea summit and the first in 11 years. As this is a historic moment, when North Korea agreed to denuclearization, there is a positive prospect of peace on the Korean Peninsula and perhaps a Korean unification. To hear about how a Canadian perceived these developments, I am honored to speak with Mr. Ali Sashi, Member of Parliament for the Liberal Party. Mr. Sashi, it is my utmost honor to have this opportunity and thank you for having me today. Thank you very much, James. Very grateful and looking forward to our interview. Before we begin with difficult questions, let us start with the introduction. Mr. Sashi, your career as a Member of Parliament for the Liberal Party, representing the riding of Willowdale in the House of Commons, began in 2015 and you are currently active on numerous political committees, including the Standing Committee on Justice and Human Rights, the Joint Standing Committee on the Scrutiny of Regulations, and the Chair of the All-Party Parliamentary Group for the Prevention of Genocide and Other Crimes Against Humanity, to name only a few. Could you describe your work on committees such as these and outline some of the important political and social issues that you have confronted over the years as a member of parliament. Well, absolutely. Well, thank you for that. Uh, let me start off with my work on the Standing Committee on Screening of Regulations. That is a committee that is comprised of members of parliament and senators as well. And our responsibility is to review various uh, regulations. And if there are any problematic uh, provisions that need to be amended or changed or revised, uh, we bring it to the attention of the relevant Department of Government. So it's been an incredible learning experience, combing over all sorts of different regulations that concern every aspect of uh, government regulations. The second one, which also keeps me uh, very busy, as you noted, is my membership in the Justice Committee. The Justice Committee, as you can imagine, has been very, very busy. And the reason for that is that there are various pieces of uh, legislation that have to be introduced. The minister is very, very active in trying to address a whole host of issues. So just to give you an example of uh, some of the issues that we've been working on. Uh, firstly, we're currently working on human trafficking in Canada. So we had the opportunity to travel around the country. We had a stop in Halifax, Montreal, Toronto, Edmonton and Vancouver. And the purpose was to meet with various stakeholders to gain a better appreciation of the scope of the problem and the best means to address it. But other issues that we have also dealt with in the context of the Justice Committee is uh, recently we had to uh, review Bill C-51. Uh, BC-51 uh, made changes to the criminal code, and the purpose of that was to get rid of outdated laws, uh, which essentially remain on the books, but they haven't been enforced for some time, so that was a significant undertaking. But also, we studied Bill C-46 uh, before it goes to the House, and the subject of BC-46 was uh, addressing alcohol and drug-impaired driving. So that was another issue that we scrutinized very closely. 
Uh, but in addition to the Justice Committee and the Scrutiny of Regulations Committee, I'm also chair of the all-party parliamentary group for the prevention of genocide. Uh, this was a group that was established by well-renowned uh, Canadian uh, Lieutenant General uh, Romeo Dallaire when he was appointed a senator. And so once uh, Senator Dallaire stepped down from the Senate, we recognize that it was important to continue working on this committee. And just to, to give you an example how uh, things have changed, we've realized that even though we do not have the resources that are uh, provided to most committees, we decided that was not going to get in the way. So uh, we have now had hearings on two specific issues and we're in the process of releasing reports. The first issue uh, which we studied and heard from numerous stakeholders was the issue of uh, how new technologies can be utilized to prevent genocide and uh, other crimes against humanity. So I suspect we will be releasing our report in the next uh, 10 days or so. But in addition to that also, we have focused on uh, the situation and the crisis in Yemen, and we look forward to drafting a report on that as well. As co-chair of the Canada-Korea Interparliamentary Friendship Group, how would you characterize the current state of Canada-Republic of Korea relations? What are some similarities we share and differences we embrace as two democratic nations? Well, allow me to start off by saying it's a great honor for me to uh, co-chair our friendship group with Senator Yona Martin. As you know uh, full well, she is the uh, first parliamentarian of uh, Korean origin, and it's been an incredible learning experience for me to, to work at, and to learn from the senator because she has been in Ottawa for, um, I think, about uh, seven or eight years now. Uh, so that has been an incredible privilege for me. But also, as you recognize full well, there are a lot of similarities and a lot of complementarities between Canada and South Korea. I suppose the, the, the most significant one is that we're both countries which are very much focused on uh, investing in education. And for that reason, I'm sure you've noticed the OECD indicators seem to suggest that Canada is doing a very, very good job. We have the second highest uh, educated, we're considered the second highest educated nation in the world. Uh, but the first place for that actually goes to the Republic of Korea which has been doing a phenomenal job on that front. Uh, it's been doing a phenomenal job in terms of uh, economic growth uh, and also in terms of innovation. As you know, uh, again, all of the rankings seem to suggest that uh, South Korea is uh, leading the charge when it comes to uh, knowing how to uh, harness innovative technologies, whether it's uh, in the high-tech sector or in the area of culture. Uh, and for that reason, uh, it behooves us to really learn from uh, South Korea as to how to uh, make that transition and make sure that we are uh, investing in all the right things to make sure that Canada remains a leader in the high-tech sector. The next question I'd like to ask you is, your riding, Willowdale, has a large Korean community. As Canada and South Korea enjoy close and friendly bilateral relations, do you feel that Canadians possess an adequate understanding of the uniqueness of Korean culture and regional dynamics, or do we still have much to learn? Well, that's an excellent question. It's important for me to point out that uh, my riding has the largest percentage of Korean Canadians. 
Um, and I consider myself incredibly fortunate to have a riding that uh, sees so many incredible contributions from uh, the Korean community. It is one of the things that, that makes our riding uh, incredibly unique and exciting. Uh, but uh, I think uh, we recognize and we all marvel at how well uh, South Korea has been doing for decades now. Um, and for that reason, as you know, uh, we several years ago, we finalized our uh, free trade agreement uh, with Korea. Uh, but of course, I think uh, there's much more to be learned and we should do a much better job uh, making sure uh, that we are following trends in South Korea and so far as research and development are concerned, uh, making sure that we have a good appreciation of the need for peace and security in the peninsula. So I think given our history, our shared history, I should say, we recognize that uh, this is a very significant relationship, a very significant friendship. Many Canadian soldiers, as you know, uh, served in the Korean War, but we can't just look to the past. We have to focus on areas where we can cooperate uh, going forward. Now let us focus on the Korean Peninsula. Many international communities and peoples alike, including Canadians, are concerned over the development of North Korea's nuclear program. How do politicians, such as yourself, perceive these developments? And how should Canada respond to the destabilization of regional security and trade? Well, as you uh, rightly pointed out, uh, this is an issue concerned to the entire international uh, community. As you know, we are uh, monitoring the situation very closely and we have uh, remained very, very active on the diplomatic side of things. Canada, as you can imagine, uh, would like to see the international community speak with one voice on this issue. Uh, so whether it was the convening of the Vancouver conference back in January, or as we move forward, our, our greatest contribution is to make sure that we build a multilateral consensus and everyone appreciates that it's important for the international community to speak with one voice. The next question I'd like to ask is, what is our government's position on North Korea and how does the Liberal Party plan to enforce security threats on the Korean Peninsula? Well, if I could reiterate uh, the same points which I've made, uh, that this is, again, an issue that should be of concern to the international community. But unless the world learns to work together and speak with uh, one voice, um, I think a solution will elude us. So we have dedicated our energies and our efforts to making sure that there is greater cohesion amongst all of our allies that are concerned about this issue, in particular South Korea and Japan, uh, who obviously live in the region. And we should look to them for insights and, and strategies, but also uh, more generally, we think that the world has to speak with one voice to make it abundantly clear that this is an issue that uh, we are focused on and we are looking for solutions. Regarding your work on Standing Committee on Justice and Human Rights, could you share with us your thoughts on how the Canadian government should confront international human rights abuses and what ordinary Canadians can do to get involved? Well, I, I think it's a part of the fabric of uh, who we are as a nation uh, to take uh, human rights very seriously. Of course, domestically, I'm sure I speak on behalf of all Canadians, 
that we're very proud of having a charter. Uh, but those are the values that we should mirror in the international arena as well. So it should come as no surprise that uh, we have consistently been uh, very active on uh, tackling issues that pertain uh, to human rights. Although we take all of our bilateral relations uh, very seriously, if there are issues where Canada is expected to speak up, uh, we certainly do so and think that that is quintessentially Canadians. But also there are issues of concern to the international community. Uh, a good one uh, currently would uh, be the Rohingya crisis in uh, Myanmar, Burma. I think uh, Canadians can once again say that uh, we have taken the lead on that significant issue because we recognize that uh, regional peace and stability uh, in that region of the world is an important one and that we should be contributing towards that endeavor. Uh, so the Prime Minister, as you know, uh, appointed Mr. Bob Ray, uh, one of our most experienced parliamentarians, to, to examine the issue and, uh, and recommendations have been made. And, uh, and our Minister of Foreign Affairs was uh, recently in Bangladesh to uh, visit the refugee sites and see how best Canada uh, could respond. Uh, so far, our priority has been to provide uh, resources to all of the international institutions that are uh, essentially on the front lines of this issue. Uh, we've also uh, provided some assistance uh, to the government of Bangladesh, which, which has been uh, dealing uh, with this issue as it's been unfolding over the course of the last year. But again, I, I think it is a hallmark of who we are. Uh, to always uh, stand tall and demanding uh, an improvement in human rights, whether it be at home or whether it be abroad. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, for example, has reinforced Canada's solid reputation for immigrant and refugee acceptance and has solidified human rights while reflecting Canadian values on the international stage. As Canadians, what are some of the ways we can help to contribute to the success of the mission? Well, thank you for that. As you know, uh, Canada, I think, uh, has demonstrated quite a bit of uh, leadership over the course of the past several years. Uh, regrettably, we are uh, seeing uh, some other countries uh, looking inward and not being as open and as, and as inclusive as they had been in the past. But uh, for Canadians, it's an article of faith. We recognize uh, full well that diversity is something that we covet, and it is what has uh, made us an amazing country uh, that we are. Uh, we could go back, uh, you know, over a hundred years, and we have always benefited from keeping our doors open and welcoming people from different corners of the world. I was just emphasizing the fact that uh, Canada is one of the most educated countries in the world. Uh, let's not forget that, uh, that a good portion of that is because I think we do a phenomenal job in welcoming people uh, who come here with their incredible talents and their experience, uh, and in large part that having the best educated, uh, one of the best educated countries in the world is a reflection of the success of our immigration uh, policy. But uh, migration, as you know, has become a very, very uh, politicized uh, issue uh, in various countries. Uh, some are suggesting that migration nowadays might even be considered to be just as important an issue as the economy. Well, it's uh, that having been said, I, I think it's, it's important that we are sticking to the values that have 
always been an inspiration to the rest of the world. Um, and that, of course, is not only because we recognize the many talents uh, that come here to our country, but we think it's the right thing to do. Before we conclude the interview, are there any further remarks you'd like to mention? Well, I, I just uh, wanted to say, James, it, it's been uh, such an incredible honor to, to watch all the amazing uh, work that you're doing. And, and thank you so much for always uh, providing me with the benefit of your uh, considered views on a uh, wide variety of uh, topics. And the greatest thing I often tell people about uh, being a member of Parliament is uh, the amazing people that you have the good fortune to come across and to to cross paths with and uh, and you certainly has, have been one of them and, and I'm very, very grateful for that. I believe we had a quite fruitful and engaging interview today, Mr. Ali Sasi. On behalf of the NATO Association of Canada, thank you once again for your time and sharing your perspective and ideas on this matter. Thank you ever so much, James, and uh, continued success to you.